Hey, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for watching and listening, kind of gathering online. I think it's so neat. Well, look, the global pandemic, people wearing masks, some have, have not left their homes, businesses have shut down, government mandates, talk of a vaccine passport. I've had people over the last couple of weeks ask me, is this the end? I mean, are we the last generation? Look, believe it or not, we're not the first ones to ask the question. For three weeks, we're going to find out together how Jesus and others answered that question. Let me ask you, if it is the end, would you be ready? Over the past 300 years, there have been many predictions made that the end was near. The end was certain. The end was going to happen. The end of the world was going to take place. Here's a few. In 1806, a hen or a chicken from Leeds, England, appeared to lay eggs inscribed with the message, Christ is coming. I'm not lying, but many people visited the hen and they began preparing for Judgment Day. It was found out that the owner of the hen wrote on the eggs, Christ is coming, and then reinserted them into the hen. Crazy. In 1813, a woman by the name of Joanna Southcott announced that she was going to give birth as a 64-year-old virgin. She was going to give birth to the second Messiah. She died before she could give birth. Then in 1831, William Miller preached that Jesus was coming back in 1843. He attracted over 100,000 followers. When nothing happened, he recalculated. He was off a year. And so in 1844, nothing. 1845, came and went. Then 1992, Harold Camping predicted the end of the world would happen. And he did it 12 times. Yet, you and I, we're still here. Not just people inside the church, but people outside the church have made predictions that the end was happening, the end was going to happen. In 1910, Halley's Comet approached Earth, and it caused a panic. The media, what it does best, stokes fear. And it stoked fear with headlines like, the comet may kill all Earth life, says the scientist. Well, a group in Oklahoma tried to sacrifice a virgin to ward off impending doom. It's crazy stuff. You can't make this up. Then in 2019, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez predicts that the world is going to end in 12 years if we don't address climate change. Then a year later, Greta Thunberg, she predicts that we have eight years to save the earth before extinction. And then this past year, this current year, John Kerry has predicted that the world's poorest countries face unlivable conditions in nine years. So let me ask, are they right? Will they be right? Just, just say Greta is right, and we have seven years before we're no longer here. Does that scare you? Does it change the way that you view the world? Does it change the way that you would live over the next seven years? Would it impact what you believe? Does it change how you view God? Would it change the way that you pray? Well, Jesus' disciples wanted to know when the end would happen. Jesus explains to them that the end would happen when four certain signs would occur. Decades later, John ends up writing and he echoes that those signs have happened and they will continue to happen. So over the next three weeks, I would love for you and I to learn together. 
And there will be some things that we don't have answers for. And y'all, that's okay. We're not trying to have all the answers. It's likely that we would struggle with some of the answers if Jesus or God decided to share those with us. Look, we already, some of us, we already struggle with accepting some of Jesus' teachings. It's almost as if some of us are waiting for him to change his mind and agree with us. And we know that's not going to happen. So we'll see from the disciples that following Jesus is about waiting. And while we wait, we work for him. We, we, we work at making his name and his fame great. We call this faithful following. The reason why the disciples asked when the end would come is because Jesus sets them up. He predicts that the temple would be destroyed. And he, he says that not one stone would be left on another. And if you've ever been to, to, to Israel, this literally has yet to happen. And so now the disciples are now curious. Okay, if this is going to fall, will the end happen? What's going to happen? And so they have in their mind that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the promised perfect king from David's line who's going to overthrow Rome, set Israel up as a powerful nation, and then roll from an eternal throne in Jerusalem. Overthrow Rome, go right into eternity. So we have Jews asking another Jew about the Jewish state. Remember, this happened before the death and resurrection of Jesus. Now, remember, that Jews, they look for a sign. They look for signs. But we as followers of Jesus, we look for our Savior. And so we're going to talk more about that next week. They look for signs. We look for our Savior. So when this conversation is taking place, the church has yet to get started. And it starts as the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. So here's the conversation. Let's eavesdrop into the conversation that Luke provides for us. They say, teacher, so when will these things happen? And when will be the sign when these things are about to take place? So Jesus, he'll begin to teach on what the last days look like. He'll begin to address what it looks like. And it's going to include what we call the tribulation. And, And the tribulation is a time that God will pour out his wrath on the nations who've persecuted his people. Now, the disciples, they want to know the future of Israel because they they put all their chips in with Jesus. And so Jesus is going to provide four signs that they need to be on the lookout for. So here's the first sign. Jesus says, watch out that you are not deceived. For many will come in my name saying, I am he. They're also going to say the time is near. And Jesus tells us, don't follow them. So the first sign is that they're going to be false saviors. They're going to be false saviors. They're going to be those who come as political saviors who are religious. And they're going to be some that are religious saviors who are political. You're going to see religion and politics come together. Another way we can say this is there's going to be delusion. There's going to be delusion. As religion and politics come together, people are going to be deceived. And the deception is in these half-truths that are going to be told by these false saviors. And Jesus warns us that this is going to happen. What, what, what is a half-truth? It, it's intended to deceive. And these half-truths are going to confuse Christians. They're going to confuse people. And these false saviors, they profit off of fear. It's about control, power, authority. 
Look, right now we have politicians. We have lawmakers using Jesus' words to defend their stance on an issue. Notice what, what John says. In the last hour or the last days, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. By this we know that it is the last hour or the last days. So he says, right now, man, we are living in the last days. And there are going to be people. There are going to be people who are trying to persuade you, persuade me, to get us from following Jesus, get our focus off of following Jesus. Well, Jesus goes into the second sign. First sign, we have false saviors. The second sign is this. Jesus says, when you hear of wars and rebellions, don't be alarmed. Indeed, it is necessary that these things take place first, but the end won't come right away. Then he told them, nation will be raised up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Number two, second sign, there will be wars and global disruption. There will be wars and global disruption. Look, we've had conflicts from the very beginning of human history. Long before America was founded as a country, we've had conflict. We've seen civil unrest throughout the world since last March. We've seen it here and we've seen it abroad. Now, during the start of the tribulation, wars and global disruption, they're going to intensify, which will create a need for a global leader to kind of bring people together under the name of unity. In order for Jesus to return, he even says this, these things have to happen. They're going to be a necessary evil. All right. Three, there will be violent earthquakes. Jesus says there are going to be famines and plagues in various places, and there will be terrifying sights and great signs from heaven. So number three, there will be global destruction. There will be global destruction. We've had these things happen for a long time around the world. We've seen tsunamis. We've seen earthquakes. We've seen some things happen. We've seen blood moons. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but recently in New Mexico, there are 100 elk found dead. No one knows why. And and these things, they take people's breath away, but y'all, we haven't seen anything yet. Now notice what John writes when the tribulation happens. Notice, he says, a violent earthquake occurred. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of hair. The entire moon became like blood. The stars of heaven fell to the earth as fig tree drops as unripe figs when shaken by a high wind. The sky was split apart like a scroll being rolled up and every mountain and island was moved from its place. Revelation 6. We have yet to see that. Now, during the start of the tribulation, global destruction will intensify. Which again, it's going to create a need for this global leader with a global economic plan to kind of bring people together under the name of unity. Now, hopefully this is helpful. There's a really good example of the need of some type of global leadership. And that's seen in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier from Marvel on Disney+. Plus. I'm not sure if you've seen this. But you have what they call the GRC, the Global 
uh, Council, and it's committed to resetting, restoring, and rebuilding after the blip from Affinity Wars, and when all people come back years later in Endgame. Now, most likely, there will be something like this that will attempt to sort of unite people during the tribulation. It's going to be meant for good, but then I believe that the global leader, the Antichrist, will take over. And Jesus says, guys, these things have to take place before I return. Number four, Jesus says, but before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to bear witness. Therefore, make up your minds not to prepare your defense ahead of time. Jesus says, I will give you such words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. He continues, he says, you will even be betrayed by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends. They will kill some of you. You will be hated by everyone because of my name, but not a hair of your head will be lost. By your endurance, you gain your life. So number four, final sign, there's going to be persecution. There will be persecution. There's two types. The first is state-sponsored persecution. Uh, we, we see examples of this with Hitler's Germany and Mussolini's Italy. But a clear modern-day view of a, what a spo- state-sponsored persecution would be China. And I know that's real not popular, but yeah, China has persecution. And there's a fear that's stoked by state-run media for people to turn on their neighbors. Guys, there's also going to be personal persecution. There's going to be hatred and rejection within families. Like even in our Western world right now, we have people that are being canceled by others because they disagree on a stance or on an issue. Now, during the tribulation, all this is going to intensify. And it's going to intensify against Jews and those who identify with Christ. Now, notice that Jesus says that it will be because of him. People will suffer because they identify with Jesus. They believe that Jesus was the Messiah. He rose from the dead. But this is also an opportunity to share the gospel. There's an opportunity. And I believe that we see persecution right now and it grows the church. I believe this persecution will also grow those who identify with Jesus during the tribulation. Now, Jesus promises that, that through their endurance as a believer, they will gain their life. They will gain eternal life. They didn't sell their soul to gain a few years on earth. Rather, they gave their lives on earth to save their soul for eternity. Now, the disciples knew days after the resurrection that death was in the forecast. Jesus tells Peter that he would die for his faith. And then weeks later, Jesus tells all of them that, hey, guys, you got to be my witnesses throughout the world. The Greek word for witness is where we get our word martyr, which means canceled for good, which means you die for your faith. You give all for your faith. Now, the disciples dealt with all of these things through the New Testament, following the resurrection. Some of them lived long enough to see Rome destroy the temple in AD 70, just 40 years from the time Jesus spoke those words. Some saw almost a million people 
killed by the Romans and 100,000 enslaved when Titus captured Jerusalem. Look, these signs, they're only going to intensify through the tribulation. Then Jesus, he talks about the tribulation and then he teaches that he's coming back. And that's what we're going to look at next week. So, even with the uncertainty of the end, the resurrection gives certainty to our end. The reason, the, the reason for the resurrection, why it can give us hope, is that we are able to overcome no matter what happens because Jesus overcame. So here's a timeline. I don't know if this works, but it's going to be below me. You have the resurrection. You have the last days, which we are now. You have the tribulation, which is a time when Israel acknowledges that Jesus was the Messiah, and they will receive forgiveness and salvation during this time. It's also a time where God is going to unleash wrath on nations who rejected Christ and they persecute his people. And then you have the return, which we're going to talk about next week, the millennium, Jesus' thousand-year reign, and then eternity. Y'all, the best stuff is waiting. The best stuff is waiting. But this is why it's so tough for us. We want to go through the hard stuff to get to the best stuff. I mean, none of us want to be canceled by our culture, shunned by our family and friends because we identify with Jesus. Look, you may be attending for the first time or maybe you're investigating what it means to follow Jesus. So you're really not sold on him yet. You're kind of figuring out So you're quiet about your interest in church, your interest in the Bible, or maybe even Jesus. You're careful with what and how you say things so you're not easily offending people. Or maybe for you, you've identified with Jesus for some time, but yet you struggle with being all in. Culture is loud, and can I tell you, it's only going to get louder. You struggle with knowing what you believe, and you're afraid to bring it up. And then maybe for you, you identify with Jesus. And you, you're all in. But maybe the thing that you struggle with is loving those who disagree with you. Maybe you're having a hard time articulating a respectful response. Look, wherever you find yourself as a Jesus follower, you don't have to fear. You don't have to fear. Jesus provides us this encouragement. He says, But when these things happen, when they begin to take place, stand up and lift your heads because your redemption is near. He says, I'm a coming. I'm coming. So we're going to pick it up there next week. Heavenly Father, thank you for this unique opportunity to read some of the teachings of Jesus that some of us have a lot of questions about. Other of us, we sort of skip over because It doesn't make a lot of sense. So hopefully some things made sense today. But I want to pray for those who, they have fear. They have anxiety about the future. I'm asking that you give them the peace that they need. Father, that they would accept Jesus as their Savior, as the leader of their life. They would believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus. I pray for those who aren't all in and they're afraid of culture there's a fear with culture i just ask that you help them to surrender to you and father for those who are having a hard time loving people who disagree with them 
I ask that you will give them a love and an understanding to speak love and truth to others. So Father, no matter where we are, thank you so much for the resurrection because we do not have to fear. We can approach the unknown with faith and hope because of the resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen.